The way Jesus and his disciples used the Old Testament has always bothered me. I often could tell what Jesus was getting at, but I wasn't at all sure how he was getting there. I knew he was right, but I didn't understand how. Growing up in a literalist tradition, I was forced to glaze over these type of applications because they didn't match the hermeneutics that I was taught like at all. But even as I progress in my Bible literacy and expose myself to worldwide interpretive methods, I still found myself at a loss sometimes. And to be honest, this was exasperated by doing the 74 episodes on Jesus and then starting Acts and realizing all over again that the disciples were going to do the same thing. So I decided it's time to figure it out. And I looked and I looked and I couldn't find anyone writing about it. People just did what I did, read the passage, try to connect the dots the best that they can, and then move along. It was hard to find anyone who could say what Jesus' hermeneutic actually was, but I think I found it. Welcome to Anakinosis, where we renew our minds towards biblical worldview and the scriptures. This is a show for anyone looking to build or repair the biblical worldview. Whether you're 100% comfortable in the current Christian culture, or you feel like an outsider looking in, everyone is welcome. My name is Jeremy Agin. I'm just a guy with a Bible literacy background who has ASD and who thinks a lot about how to think. Today is a special season two episode on Jesus's Old Testament hermeneutic. I reached out to my 90-year-old grandfather about a month ago. He's a longtime Bible teacher and has a doctrine in theology. We email once a week, and so I brought up the subject casually. Grandpa, have you ever seen a book or an article on Jesus' Old Testament hermeneutic? And he hadn't, which I really had a hard time believing. I thought maybe it was just my blind spot. And the fact that nobody was writing about it was because everyone knew but I. I guess that still could be true, but I wouldn't believe that my grandpa wouldn't be in on the knowledge. Grandpa must have done some Googling or some rifling through his notes because he cited an old book called Jesus and the Old Testament by R.T. France as the only thing he had ever seen on the subject. The Amazon review said it was a reworked thesis paper, but that actually made me excited. It would be deep and it would be weedy. Yeah, so I bought it. I started reading it, and I wished I had read it before recording the 72 episodes on Jesus, but I'm not touching those. They are what they are. I'm just going to add this season to Bible literacy episode on what I have landed on. In France's 1992 work, he outright says that he won't be addressing Jesus' hermeneutic, but will be looking at all of his uses of the Old Testament. That was disappointing, to say the least. But by necessity, he had to hit on it occasionally, and when he did, I was enthralled. If anyone out there has found literature on the topic of Jesus' Old Testament hermeneutic outside of France's work, please let me know. You can DM me on Twitter, I refuse to call it X, at Pod or at etrain32. So here is what I have for now. 
And some of this is no duh, but some of it is really helpful. Often, when Jesus quotes Old Testament literature, he uses allusion rather than direct quotation. That is to say that he uses the gist or the general idea. In some instances, he uses direct quotation, but in both cases, his interpretive tool is typology. Now, what's typology? Depending on who you ask, you'll get a different definition. And for that reason, some people find it scandalous and some people find it no big deal. I join R.T. France in describing Jesus' typology as being concerned with persons, events, etc., which are viewed as models or patterns for other persons, events, etc. Jesus' use of the Old Testament to draw parallels to his own life was to claim that there was a powerful continuity of Yahweh's way or pattern in his life and those around him. This was an aha moment for me because I could often tell what Jesus was getting at, but I wasn't sure how he was getting there. But typology made it click for me. The Old Testament works itself in this way. Like in Genesis and Exodus, you have laying down the patterns of humans and God, and then everything else is a consistent repeating of those events or like events with the prophets overlaying the types and the antitypes. And Jesus does the same thing. So let's get some vocab out of the way. Antitype can mean a person that is opposite of someone or something, like an antihero. However, in Jesus's typology, the antitype is something or someone who was represented by a symbol in the old. There are thousands of antitypes of Jesus. That is a thing that points to him. That part, at least, probably isn't new for any of us. That has been pretty clear. Now, in contrast, Jesus isn't interpreting the Old Testament as predictive, which would be literal, and he also isn't interpreting it as allegory. It's something that shows the way of humans and God, and he is expecting consistency. So what does typology do? It recognizes the parts of the Old Testament that are historical as historical, poetry as poetry, fiction as fiction, myths as myths, even if true, the songs as songs, the apocalypse as apocalypse, but also sees it as spiritual or theological in meaning. Let's look at an example. Deuteronomy chapters 6 through 8. As France says, they stand on their own historically. You can draw the meaning out of it and not find any types or antitypes. It's highly doubtful that the author had any thoughts of such use, and yet Jesus uses as a passage typologically. That is his application. He's in the wilderness in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. He's being tempted by the tempter. Deuteronomy 6-8 through relates Moses' words at the end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, addressing the Israelites entering the promised land and calling them to obey Yahweh fully. Jesus sees himself as Israel in the wilderness, and the challenge before him is to obey God fully to do better than Israel before him, to learn in the wilderness what Israel did not. God allowed Israel to face different tests. When Satan tempts Jesus with a test of his sonship to replace his hunger with food, Jesus ignores the sonship test aspects and recalls the food test Israel faced, and the lesson they should have learned was trusting in God's word alone. So 
He does it as Israel for Israel. The Satan then tempts Jesus to test his sonship with a leap off the temple. Jesus again ignores the sonship test and immediately focuses on the test of testing God's faithfulness. And he refuses as Israel and for Israel. Then the Satan tempts Jesus with the test of easy saving by bowing his knee to the enemy. Jesus sees this less about the inferior Satan or even the plausibility of that act actually working, but sees Israel facing the test of having only one God they worship. He stays true as Israel for Israel. That isn't too far off from where we typically go with the wilderness temptations, but there is a subtle difference that carries into the way Jesus sees the Old Testament and ultimately himself, God, the Father, and others. Jesus sees a typological connection between himself and Israel. Another example is the story of Jonah. Now, some think it's historical, others fiction to teach a true thing about God's heart. Jesus doesn't indicate which way he leans. The way he refers to Jonah could equally be applied to a history book or to Winnie the Pooh. When you read Jonah itself, it works within itself nicely. The interpretation is hard to get wrong. And there's no indication that the author had anything about Jesus in mind. And yet, Jesus applies the story of Jonah typologically to himself, being greater than Jonah and having the sign of Jonah. You can find a chain of typology from Exodus's blood of the covenant to Jeremiah's 3131 new covenant, which is like the old covenant. And then Jesus and the New Testament authors use the new covenant, which is like the Exodus one, while they quote Jeremiah. Chains of typology. What makes all of this so maddening is that Jesus and the New Testament authors aren't consistent with their application of typology which is kind of funny because their typology is about the consistency of Yahweh. Jesus' methodology is fluid based on his use of a passage as typology, illustration, or general truth. Sometimes a passage he alludes to is predicting his work. So he isn't a typology-only reader. He doesn't have a typology-only hermeneutic, but there is a lot of typology. And I think the clue card I missed is when John the baptizer insists he's not Elijah because he's not Elijah, and then Jesus said he is if you would accept it. John is a type of Elijah. A type. This is what Jesus is doing all of the time with scripture. Jesus sees typological connections between himself and David, himself and the priesthood, himself and Elijah, himself and Elisha. And himself with the prophets. Here's an example. Isaiah. In Mark 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8, Jesus uses his Isaiah scroll to answer the disciples on why he uses parables. He says this. They may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Isaiah has some very real historical reasons for writing this. The contextual meaning was Isaiah being sent to a rebellious people who didn't want to hear from God. It wasn't about Jesus. And yet Jesus applies these words to his own situation and claims them as being fulfilled in his time. 
This doesn't make Isaiah's words a prediction about Jesus, but Jesus knows the consistency of humans and God and knows it's going to go the same for him as it did for Isaiah. Now, here's a fun one. Jesus continually predicted he would rise after three days or on the third day. Where did he get that? The New Testament authors attribute it as an allusion to Old Testament predictions. But there is no Old Testament source that speaks of this. Jesus would have to typologically combine Jonah's experience in the great fish and Hosea 6's declaration that God will revive Israel on the second day and raise them on the third. For this to work, Jesus has to see himself as Israel. And since Yahweh raised up Israel, he will raise up Israel again in Jesus. For me, this seems to naturally lead to his followers being a type of Israel as well, which they do seem to believe. Does that end in replacement theology or not? I don't think that this alone chooses a path for us. Okay, remember Jesus' Olivet Discourse when the disciples ask him when the temple will fall and when will the end of days begin? And he tells them signs and both directly quotes and alludes to Old Testament scripture? How is that not a literal prediction? Well, Jesus alludes to the abomination of desolation in Daniel 11.31 and 12.11. The Jews saw that prediction already fulfilled by the time of Jesus being fulfilled in between the Old and New Testaments when Antiochus Epiphanes set up an idol in the temple of Yahweh. It wasn't predicting something else that Jesus was then pointing to. No, Jesus sees that abomination in the past as a type of thing conquerors do to humiliate Israel and the sort of thing Yahweh has allowed as a form of judgment on Israel. And so Yahweh is consistent and so are humans And so the fall of Jerusalem will have the same markers. To quote France, he uses persons in the Old Testament as types of himself. David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jonah, or of John the Baptist with Elijah. He refers to Old Testament institutions as types of himself and his work, like the priesthood and the covenant. He sees in the experiences of Israel fulfilled in himself. End quote. Multiple New Testament counterparts can be types of Old Testament antitypes. For example, Isaiah 14, 12 to 15 being applied both to the city of Capernaum and also the Satan. One single New Testament event can be the type of several Old Testament antitypes such as the fall of Jerusalem in 722, 587, 167, and then Jesus pointing to the consistency of the one coming in 70. So what does all of this mean? France says it means Jesus is in line with the Old Testament, that he's superior to it, and that he fulfills it. But we got there already without understanding typology. I think this means that we can better grasp how Jesus is getting to his applications, and that might improve our own. What if we read the Bible as a description of how we act and how Yahweh acts instead of a guide of right behavior or a guide of how to get to heaven? Thank you for listening. Anakinosis is a project for anyone anywhere who's looking to renew their biblical worldview. 
This has been a special edition to season two. Chronologically, next time we'll be back to season four.